Hi everyone, welcome to the Classic Gaming Podcast. This is January 3rd, 2014. I'm your host, Robert Ring. With me as always are Jay Totoro. Hi. And Blake Corey. Hey, that's me. Now, as you may be able to tell, I'm a little bit under the weather. I have some sort of respiratory infection or something that's affecting my voice, so I'm going to be part of the show, but I'm going to try to limit my talking a little bit this time. So, I'm handing the reins over to Jay this time. He's going to be our host for the rest of the episode. Jay, uh, try not to wreck this into a uh, burning pile of wreckage, okay? I'm not going to give it back now, but yeah. So, um, start off, guys, we're going to talk about some of the things that are in the news. Um, first thing is Double Dragon Trilogy came out for Android and iOS for $2.99. Um, I don't know if you guys, either of you guys played Double Dragon as a child. Oh, yeah. Did you guys have siblings? Yes. Yeah. No. Oh, that's not fun. <laughs> Can't enjoy Battletoads or Double Dragons if you don't have siblings. Uh, oh my god, no. I Battletoads is best jo- enjoyed without a sibling. It really? is. It's, oh god, have you never played it single player? No, I, I had four That game is siblings. awful two player. Really? Yeah. Oh my really god, bad. it is so bad two player. I actually didn't know that. Okay, well. You can, because you accidentally hit each other all the time. Yeah, that's what was fun about it. But, <laughs> well, yeah, but then if, What do you mean accidentally? If one the person dies. The game is dies, actually playable with one person. If one person dies, both people die. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Jeez, it's been a long time. All right, well, next up was uh, Mega Man, the board game Kickstarter started. And uh, Robert and I were talking about this a little bit before the show. So their original goal was $70,000. And they're currently at $279,000. So they've passed their goal a couple times. And, of course, um, they have you know a wide variety of stuff that they gave away to people who um, gave money to the, to the Kickstarter. And then they're actually going to add additional things uh, depending on the tier of money that they receive. But Robert and I were talking about this a little bit beforehand, Blake. What, what do you think they do with the extra money they get? I mean, they're at almost, what, three, four times the original amount? Like In that kind of situation for something like a board game, it would really depend on the size of the company because like it it's going to go towards salaries stuff like that i would think and then like what kind of other resources are they really going to need yeah that's what i was thinking Uh, it's made by a company called jasco games and robert have they made anything else that's been successful or known at all yeah they've made some other stuff i'm looking into right now they made a king of fighters game apparently (laughs) Oh, okay. uh, I checked this earlier, and then I forgot everything already. <laughs> <laughs> they made a King of Fighters game, and they've—I I feel like they've done maybe one or other, one or two other games that are like based on video game properties. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so so they're not—you know—it's they're not just like somebody who's come out of nowhere. They—they they have some reputation, you know. They're—they're they're not like a Hasbro, obviously, or anything like that. <laughs> but they. You know, at least it's somebody that we know has made a game before, which, you know, when you get into these Kickstarters, that's you, that, you don't always even know that much. Yeah. So I it feel like it, that's a good thing. If you take a look at the website, too, like, they have a really good, like, plan of what they're doing with it. Like, it actually looks legit. Like, it looks like something that the original creators of, of Mega Man, if they ever had the money or time to make a board game, would do. Because it just, it just looks really, really cool. It's, it's very visually appealing. The characters are really cool. Even the pieces are kind of unique, um, especially for a board game. So... I mean, they're definitely putting the, the time into it to make it look really, really clean. Yeah, it looks pretty cool from what they're showing. This is kind of funny because this is the second episode in a row that we've talked about a Mega Man Kickstarter. But uh, do, you, do either of you guys play many, play many board games? Yeah, actually, I play a lot of board games. I play a lot over the breaks, too, with family here and everything. What are, what are, so, like, what kind of board games do you play? Um, we play a lot of Catan over 
over break, oh, which really? is kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like super duper slow paced StarCraft, like kind of like an RTS almost, where it's just very strategic and, you know, there's just a lot to it. And it's, it's really, really fun to play with people, you know, because you kind of play to them and I don't know. It's fun. How about you, Blake? Not really. There was one, God, I played something recently. I cannot remember what it was. I'd like to play a lot more. It's just a matter of actually getting my hands on some of them. But just kind of looking through the Kickstarter, like, this looks really well done. Yeah. Do they have Capcom's permission or what? I'd I imagine, imagine so. I, I imagine yeah. they do because, like I said, they've done other games based on other properties. Maybe that's what they do with a lot of the money. They so... give it back to the company so the company doesn't come after them or something. <laughs> Maybe, and then, all right, so I'm kind of looking through their, through their stretch goals here, and a lot of it is, like, a 5K stretch goal. For yeah, this exactly, that's that. what Rob and I were talking about. And it's like, I would think a lot of that would go into the resources, just a $5,000 thing to package up a bunch of extra cut man pieces or something. Like, I, that sounds fairly reasonable between man hours, shipping. That's true, uh, actually. Yeah. They have uh they only have uh, like a certain amount of goals up. Like I think the last one is three hundred and thirty k, which they still have fifteen days left. I wouldn't be surprised if they reached it within the next couple of days here. Oh yeah, they'll probably smash that. Yeah. Do they ever go to a point where they say no more money? Like realistically, I've never seen it. No, there. nobody will ever say no more money because I mean everybody who, regardless of whether they keep adding stretch goals or anything like that, that's kind of besides the point. Regardless, anybody who donates. Or you know pledges or whatever they they get they get whatever you know assuming they assuming the 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 person in charge of the Kickstarter actually comes through on their commitment. The point is kind of like if you front up if you front us this money then we then we'll give you whatever we promise to give you. So kind of like the the main thing is that you get whatever you paid for, and then you know the the stretch goals are just kind of like well if we get extra money then we'll do this and that. It's it's got to be kind of stressful. So I mean like like I said like me and Robert kind of talking about this before is. Like, what if they just decide, you know, we can't do this? And Robert was saying, like, people, you know, realistically can go after them, get trying to get their money back. And it's like, it's got to be a lot of stress on them because, I mean, you know, kind of working on something like this, it, it just seems crazy if, you know, if they have to cancel it or something for whatever reason. There's actually been a precedent for that. It's happened a few times. Really? Yeah, it has. I can't remember the names of some of the projects, but the, the thing is, in those situations, the people that canceled it, they were doing it in really shady ways and being really strange about it. Um, But from what I've heard, they were actually getting their refunds. So uh, if they weren't getting the refunds though, then you could easily get a hold of the authorities and get them tracked down and uh, just take it up with the FBI if you had to, I guess. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Especially if people donate like $2,000. Like that's just crazy to me. Yeah, um, when, when you're when you're donating a lot of money, you really got to be sure that yeah. that you're not working with somebody you know who's who you're yeah right to. right. Um, the other major thing, which I, I actually got like three emails and like fifteen Skype messages about, was Fallout One, Two, and Tactics were free on GOG for the winter sale. I got so many messages about this; it was unreal. I actually didn't even take advantage of it. That's the kind of the sad thing. But, you're an idiot. Um, but essentially, yeah, no, oh, I was I, I, I didn't want to waste the hard drive space. Um, so God basically <laughs> like, like a no, half a gig. <laughs> it's you can. It's not even wasting the space. You can like add it to your GOG account and then download it some other time. See what if I don't have a GOG? <laughs> I'm just. Kidding. Then you make one. I have one. I have one. 
Yeah. yeah. Making one doesn't take up space either, Jay. Just say so you no. Know. It takes up like a gig of hard drive space to make one. I'm going to send you like a flash drive with two gigabytes of memory. Please don't. I don't need any more hard drive space right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Fallout 1, 2, and Tactics were on the GOG sale. Um, they were free. They got taken down um, to the franchise to Bethesda. And then, uh, but in the future, it's looking to be like they're going to put it on Steam, which they'll probably end up putting it for super duper cheap, like couple bucks i'd imagine i can't imagine them asking for much more than that did you did you grab i got this i i, I took advantage of this blake you you grabbed it too right yeah i think i only got one and two i don't know if i got tactics I tactics intrigued me just because the name is you know, tactics you got one and two but not tactics i may have gotten all three i don't remember now no okay i did get all three yo there was i remember there was a big when they came out with this, everybody was kind of speculating because the rights were going to change at the end of the year to, to where Bethesda gets all the rights. Because they're, of course, the ones who are making the Fallout games now. And uh, that turned out to be exactly what happened. It went off at the end of the year. It, it left GOG, and now Bethesda said that it'll it'll probably be... that They're working to get them on Steam pretty soon. Yeah, and if you got it from GOG, you can still download them. You just can't purchase them from them anymore, so... Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Let cool. me... um now, Real quick, that... Since we're talking about sales, and since we kind of have a tradition, so uh, a two, uh, so far two, soon to be three episode tradition of me talking about getting <laughs> suckered into uh, sales, I want to just go over the things that I've that I've bought over the past. So, so since the last episode, we've had uh, this this Fallout thing from GOG, and then we had a winter sale from GOG, and then a winter sale from Steam, and. Uh, so that basically means that, like, I had my wallet open and, like, folded apart and held upside down and I was shaking it all month. <laughs> little little moths coming out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so, nothing left to give. So along with grabbing the Fallout 1, 2, and Tactics for free from GOG, uh, I picked up two or three Humble Bundles, and I won't even go into those because it's just going to take up our time. Uh, I did so, – so I was thinking so, – one of the games that I played from our uh, our Christmas gifting episode was Dungeon Keeper, <laughs> and as I was playing that, playing that really made me want to play Sim City because it's sort of kind of a really? sim game. Yeah, it is. And it just turns out that Sim City was on sale on GOG for like a dollar fifty or something, or Sim City two thousand was on sale on GOG for like a dollar fifty or something like that. So I was like, I'm picking that shit up, and then. One day, like Tomb Raider one two, like the original Tomb Raider one two and three were on sale for like three fifty on GOG, and I was just like, I'm probably I, I haven't played these, and I'll probably play them eventually if for no other reason than to talk about them on this podcast. So I went ahead and picked those up. And then then there was a Wing Commander sale on GOG, and it was the whole Wing Commander f- like collection for like eleven dollars or something like that, and I already owned three of them, but I didn't own the very first one yet, and I was like, well. Before I play any of the others, I definitely want to play the first one, so I might as well just like go all in. So I spent eight dollars getting the rest <laughs> of the Wing Commander games, none of, <laughs> none of which I've played so far. And uh, and then on Steam, so a couple a couple of non classic games I got. I grabbed Brothers: The Tale of Two Sons, uh, The Walking Dead: Four Hundred Days DLC. I also got Super Hexagon because it was on sale for thirty cents. And then also, so the game that, if, if you haven't listened to episode two, the game that Jay's playing for the, our, uh, from our Christmas gifting episode, which we'll kind of go back over what, what that was, he played uh, Fantasy Star 4, was it? Three. 
three. Uh huh. Fantasy did wrong. Fantasy Star three. Yeah. And so so that was so I was like maybe maybe I'll play that too and we can all three talk about it. And uh, and so I was looking at it and there was a Sega Genesis Classics Pack five. Fantasy Star. Well, then that 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 whole like collection was on was on sale, and Fantasy Star three or four or whatever it was was on sale for like a dollar fifty, but then okay. the whole Sega Genesis Classics pack of like ten games was on sale for three dollars, and it also had Revenge of the Shinobi, which I used to love, as well as Golden Axe two and uh, Streets of Rage three, all of which I also love. So I was like, you know, just fuck it, I'm picking, I'm. I'm it was like, have you ever heard the Louis C.K. episode, or episode the Louis C.K. skit where he's talking about buying Cinnabons? Yeah, you have. Yeah, he's I like, love nobody him. in line is like happy that they're there. They're just like, fuck it, give me the Cinnabon. <laughs> that like that's how I felt buying, <laughs> buying, like this was like my final purchase on the Steam sale. So I was just like, fuck it, give it to me. Just give it to me. I'm I'm done. Just give it to me. Just take my money. Just give it to me, and I'm gonna walk away. So that's kind of how I felt. Like I just had to do it. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what happened when I played those games, but anyway, I uh, I have a serious problem, and I just thought it'd be fun to uh, talk about that serious problem a little bit more. Did you, Did you guys pick up any any other games over the over either of these sales? No, no. I received a bunch of gifts of games. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um. Like, uh, none of them were really uh, retro stuff, but I got a copy of. Uh, Super House of Dead Ninjas expansion pack, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Chronicles of Mystara, Titan Quest Immortal Throne, which is actually kind of uh, retro. I think that came out around 2002, 2003. Oh, I don't know. That uh, old. Oh, yeah, it's pretty old. I think it came out before I finished high school. Um, uh, Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to make myself play through that sometime. Um, a bunch of other ones. The director's cut of uh, Deadly Premonition, which came out on Steam, and I've heard a lot of really good things about that game. Uh, and then a couple others. And then the closest one to Retro that I got gifted to me was a copy of uh, the Bionic Commando pack on Steam, which is oh, like cool. uh, there was uh, the Nintendo game, Bionic Commando, and then there were two remakes of it. Uh, one, which is, was like a complete retcon of the entire series and then one which was sort of much closer in theme uh it's a 2d action platformer where you uh you have an arm that you use to swing around kind of like your spider-man or something and i'm really looking forward to getting around to those sometime have you played by commando previously i have not actually it's re- you'll really like it it's 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 a lot of button combinations because oh. you basically have to control the arm while moving your character at the same time and so, like, you actually, like, have to use it to hook to certain places, and you have to aim it, and, like, it, you're going to really enjoy it. I think you're going to have a lot of fun with it. Cool. Did either of you guys get any uh, any classic gaming-related things for Christmas? You got a new PlayStation 2. Oh, you did? That's pretty legit. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty legit. I'm freaking stoked. I love having, like, backup systems. Other than that. I did not get anything. I got money for Christmas. I got a... I I think the only classic gaming thing I got for Christmas was I got the Metal Gear Solid Legacy Collection. 
Oh no no, it's not even the Metal Gear Solid. It's just the, it's the Metal Gear Legacy Collection, I think, is what it's called, because it comes with the original Metal Gear One and Two that were on Nintendo, and then uh, you know, all the Metal Gear Solid games, and I'm gonna be playing the hell out of that pretty soon <laughs> because uh, I'm a huge Metal Gear Solid fan, but somehow I've never played the first Metal Gear Solid. I've That's only great. really yeah, I've only played two, three, and four. Oh wow. So yeah, and I've and I've been wanting, I've been meaning to get to it forever, and this came out, and I was like, oh hell yeah! So that went on my wish list, and I got it. So I'm definitely gonna be playing that pretty soon. So that was I was pretty excited about that. Well, as we talked about last time, we each purchased a, a game for one another to play, and uh, so Robert, you got a game for Blake. So Blake, why don't you talk about what Robert got? Well, let, let me let me just real quick just okay. just uh, explain again what we did in case. Anybody is listening that didn't listen to the last one. So last last episode was the episode before uh, Christmas. So we did a gift a gifting episode where we each bought the other. We we did like a circle, like a like a human centipede of gift giving. Oh so, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we each gave one of the other people a game, and we went in like a circle. Actually, it wasn't really human centipede because we didn't make a full circle, but it was pretty close to the human centipede. Uh. So, so yeah, yeah. Just, just to clarify, that was that was for Christmas. We each gave each other just a game that we that, that we <laughs> that we like a lot, and that we wanted to force somebody else to play. And so, all right. So, sorry, sorry. I don't want to steal that from you, Jay. You go on. No, it's okay. Blake, if you want to go ahead and talk about what uh, Robert got for you. Uh, Robert got me uh, the Secret of Monkey Island, the first game in the series. Uh, it is a point-and-click, old-school adventure game. It's uh, extremely, extremely beloved. A lot of people grew up on it, loving it. Robert uh, among them. And it's a game that's... Uh, it does not really take itself seriously. It has a really good time with uh, the material. You play as uh, Guybrush Threepwood, who is trying to become a pirate. And that's how the game starts out. And from there, you go into this bar. You you run into, like, the three pirate elders. And they say, oh, well, you have to go steal this thing from the mayor, uh, beat the sword master, the greatest swordsman on the island, in a duel. And it just gets wacky from there. You, like, are immediately thrown into meeting a bunch of very weird... Uh, quirky kind of characters and uh does the that's that's kind of why the game has such a following is the uh it's the, definitely the writing more than anything it's a lot of fun so what 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 game today is it most comparable to like so because like honestly i have no idea what i would expect just by your explanation um god as far as gameplay specifically uh nowadays the walking dead is the closest really game. Yeah, um, it's got the point and click. You have to go around here. You have to find the right thing that you're supposed to click. Which The Walking Dead isn't exactly like it, but it's kind of the closest thing. Yeah, uh, there's a lot more puzzle elements okay. in the older point and clicks. It's a lot more. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like The Walking Dead, like that's the closest modern thing that I can really think of to describing it. Also, even though. It's not like there. There are a lot of differences where, like Monkey Island, yeah, is a lot more like different. you're trying to figure out sort of like 
what you have to do to get past, to get to, to get whatever to happen. Yeah. Whereas, and whereas Walking, Walking, Walking Dead, Dead that's all like, pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. It's like figuring out what you want to do instead of how you're supposed that's to do something. That's kind of cool. So it's like it's got all these old puzzle elements and what I like in the old point and click games, those can be really, really frustrating because a lot of the time they won't make any sense. You'll have to like take a bone and oh. combine it with a mug or something. something yeah. That's how you get to the next area. Yeah, it's something really random that just doesn't make any sense that you wouldn't really think of aside from, okay, I have to try everything in my inventory. That's like the only reason. Yeah, and again, this is before the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And <clears throat> the one of the things I liked about Monkey Island, I don't know if this was in the original, so Rob, you're the person I'll have to ask about this, uh-huh. but it has a hint button. And the game kind of tells you, okay, you have the item that will let you go do this thing now. Because like it's pretty open-ended once you get onto the island, which is one of the things that can be really intimidating about it. Um, you get into the island, and it's just there's almost no direction. It's you need to get these three things to become a pirate. That's your goal. And then there's like a main city that you start in. You can wander off into a forest. There's a circus. And a couple other different spots that you can go to. And inside the town itself, there's like four or five or six different screens that all have their own other hubs to them, too. And it's like, I don't know which thing I'm supposed to do next. But one of the things that they added in the game is you can just hit H for hint. And the game says, okay, check this out. You're, we're going to tell you that you're able to go put these dogs to sleep right now or something. And that's how you, you can be like, oh, all right, I know that I'm able to do that. The game's telling me that. So I'm going to go here, and I'm going to just try a couple different items. I'm going to try putting some of them together, and we're going to see what happens with it. Yeah, that that was not in the original game. I, I did not think ah. so. <laughs> so, um, and, and by the way, I just kind of did a quick glance at my own like games library just to see what other kind of games, if there were any other recent games that are similar to Monkey Island. And any of the Wadget Eye games, uh, this Wadget Eye is a developer that makes point-and-click adventure games. Any of those games are kind of similar to this. They made uh, what is it? They made Gemini Ru and Resonance, which are both so- sort of throwbacks to this kind of game. So if you're familiar with the Wadget Eye games, this is this is really the same kind of thing. Um, actually, now that I now that you mention it, I actually remember a few more. They're more recent than Monkey Island, but I don't know how recent. Uh, there's the Deponia games are uh, completely like this style. Okay. And what's the other one I had in my mind? Oh, uh, Machinarium. Yeah, I'm yeah, Machinarium. Yeah, it's kind of like that too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the original games did not have that. In fact, they had a telephone line that you could call and pay to get hands <laughs> on. Are you serious? Yes, the only reason I remember that is because one day... One of my friends and I got really stuck, and I don't even know if it was on Monkey Island or it might have been one of the LucasArts, which LucasArts made this game, by the way. It might have been one of the Indiana Jones games, which are the same kind of game. We called called the helpline because we got stuck, and we, like, basically pestered the guy until he would give us the hints for free. Really? (laughs) I'm not joking. He, he, He actually said, just don't tell my supervisor about this, and he told us what to do. 
Oh my god. Yeah, imagine no. imagine that. So that actually happened. So yeah, those definitely were not in the original game. Um and yeah, so 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 far, just to kind of comment on what it, what you're talking about a little bit, yeah, I definitely know what you're talking about, Blake. It kind of like you start off and you talk to these guys and you're like, I want to become a mighty pirate. My name's Guypers Threepwood. And uh, they're like, all right, you got to do this and that. And then it's like, that's it. That's all you've got. So you basically kind of walk around, just explore. Like, you just got to, like, walk around and talk to people and kind of, like, start kind of putting your own pieces together as you talk to people, look at things and do all that kind of stuff. Um, for me, pl- I remember playing these games. The, the thing that kind of keeps everything interesting during that stage of the game where you're just trying to figure things out is is the fact that it is so much fun that they're having so much fun with it and everything like there's something funny in everything you do pretty much. So like, even when you're trying to figure out what to do, there's still plenty of entertainment there. Is that, is that how it came across to you? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like I said, uh, I thought the writing was pretty well done for the game. It was really lighthearted. It was cool to walk around and talk to a lot of these characters just because it was, it was just fun. Like it wasn't, the most pressure in the world to get this one thing done. And what I kind of liked, another thing I liked was that I'd walk around, I'd talk to all these people and I could kind of get an idea of where I would need a certain thing. If I could just find that certain thing later on. So you kind of got a feel for the game. Like you started. Yeah. Like I kind of saw how the game would play out on a larger scale instead of just like where I was right then. Like, Oh, I'm going to need, this an item to get past these things what kind of an item will i need there and then i would go somewhere else and i would see how to get that item but i wouldn't know how what i would need to get that so i talked to the people that had that and it was kind of like a chain that i could see un unfolding like chains don't unfold but just go with me on this (laughs) 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 this big sequence that I could see how it was supposed to happen. And I was like, okay, all I have to do is figure out which item I need at this point. There was one or two hiccups and hangups where it didn't quite make sense on what thing I needed to do. But then there were some really obvious ones, like what you needed to complete the circus and get yourself fired out of a cannon. Like as soon as they were talking to me, like, oh, well, you're going to need this. I was like, I know exactly where I'm going to go find one of those. (laughs) So, we talked last time. Well, first of all, what did you think? A couple things we mentioned last time. One was the, uh, or maybe this was episode one, actually, when we talked about this, the intro music. The, the intro music to this game was some of my favorite video game music ever. Did you pay much attention to it? I actually realized this earlier today. I was like, hey, wait, what did I think about the music in this game? And I liked it. It wasn't, like... It wasn't something that stuck out to me in a huge way. It wasn't, like, overtly amazing for me. But it worked with the game really well. They came together really well. That's, like, for me, if I don't even notice the music, I usually take that as a good sign because I feel like that's a really good thing if the music and the game themselves just, like, come together to, like, kind of make an entire experience and that's what I was getting out of the music in this game. That's interesting, because I'm usually the opposite way with music. For me, it's like, if the music really stands out and does something that could kind of stand on its own, 
then I think of that as a really good soundtrack or score or whatever. Like, I, and that's, that that's true for games and, and movies or whatever. What now? Like, uh, I definitely have that sometimes with like uh, a lot of the old RPG games I like, like Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy VII. Um, like their music is the music there is absolutely incredible. But then there's a lot of other games where, like every once in a while, I'll kind of be like, "Oh, hey, this music is really good," but it's it's like pushing me to want to play the game more specifically, huh. which is what I was getting out of this. That's kind of cool. It's kind of different as opposed to just enjoying the music. It actually is encouraging you to play it. Yeah, that is interesting. So uh, you're playing the special edition, which is which is the new version that LucasArts released, I think, about three years ago. And it's the right. same game. It has the it has a couple new new things, like nothing new gameplay-wise, but it, ha- it does have the hint feature that you talked about. It also has uh, a cool, a, a really cool. Thing where they update the graphic, they updated the graphics, but you can also switch back and forth between the new graphics and old graphics, like literally just by pushing a button in the middle of while yeah. you're playing. It was uh, it's either F10 or F11, and I know that because my cat sat on the button and I had to figure <laughs> out which one it was. <laughs> so so and and also the the new version has uh, voiceovers like voice acting, whereas the original it was before you could really do that, so it was all just text. Uh, for me, I, uh, I, I, you know, I really liked playing it with the original graphics just because this is a game that I grew up with, and I, and I feel like the original graphics are pretty good. But at the same time, I feel like they did a really great job with the new graphics. Like, the art style that they used on, on, on the special edition graphics is really cool and really worked well with the whole game. Surprisingly well. I just thought it was going to just kind of be like graphic, you know, improve graphics for the sake of having better graphics. But for me, they really did like a, a really good job with the art. I'm interested to hear what you think about, about both sides of that. I thought the art looked great and I thought it was a very smart decision to not, uh, or to include, uh, the option to at least have the old graphics. Um, for me, I played with the updated graphics for most of the time. Um, but I could definitely like the old graphics weren't bad or anything. But the new ones made the game look really, really good. Yeah. And the cat that I was just talking about is now up here bothering me. <laughs> Hi, Saber. It's nice to see you. Can I, can I do my podcast now? Thank you. There we go. And the voiceover, I thought the voice acting was uh, like some of the best that I've heard in a game, really. Yeah. I had not even considered the fact that when the game originally came out, it wouldn't have had voice acting. Um, it sounded great in this. It sounded perfect. Cool. So so we talked last time. You're not really a point-and-click adventure guy. You, you mostly stick to side-scrollers and, and, uh, and RPGs and stuff like that. How are you enjoying the game so far? Or or how, how have you enjoyed... How much have you enjoyed the game? Um, I got about three or four hours into the game... And then there was a particular roadblock that I ran into, and I'm sure you already know which one I'm talking about. Uh, you get to a certain point where, like I was saying earlier, uh, one of the first things you're told when you start playing the game is that you need to fight the Swordmaster of Melee Island. And to do that, you have to learn a bunch of insults and counter-insults. 
but to do that, it's like you don't get to just go read a book. None of the characters will just outright tell you some of this stuff. What happens is that you get your sword. You learn that you have to have a sharp wit to win fights. And then you get to wander around the island, the map of the island, and start fighting random pirates that you find around there. Which, that part isn't so bad. I thought that part was kind of cool. What started to suck and get on my nerves about it was when uh, the whole thing is random. You'll learn a random insult. Uh, You'll randomly not hear a new one from a pirate each time. Or if you learn a new one, the next pirate you face might not be able to give you the proper response to that one. So you might have to just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over. Just trying to get enough insults so that you have a sharp enough wit that you can finally take on the swordmaster. And that was around the point where I got really just kind of bored of the game because, like I said, it was just doing the same thing, trying to get these answers from these pirates. I finally got past that part, and uh, I beat the swordmaster. Oh, you did beat the the, swordmaster. Yeah, I finally... what, What The other thing that upset me about it was... I had, I want to say, about eight or maybe even ten responses. And the game was like, oh, you're perfectly set up to go face the Swordmaster now. You're, yes. you're great. I was going to ask you about that. That's one of the, <laughs> that was one of the weirdest things about this game. It's like once you get to a certain point, everybody you fight starts saying, you're good enough to fight the Swordmaster. And typically <laughs> you take that as a cue that from yeah, the game. You believe them. Yeah, that you're good enough to fight the Swordmaster, but that's not actually the case. You still have to get, like, six or seven more insults. Yeah, I think I had to get four or five more after that before I finally had enough that I had an actual answers to the stuff that she was coming at me with. Uh-huh. And it was like, oh, my... That part really frustrated me, because I probably spent... I think I did, like, five or six attempts at the Swordmaster because the game was telling me I was ready, and I was like, oh, I must just be getting the answers wrong. I must be screwing it up. Right. No, I just didn't have enough to reasonably fight her. Yeah. So that part really bugged me. And then I got right past that. So I finally got past the definite low point in the game. I've even heard other people say before that that part is where uh, it's definitely a big weakness of the game itself. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I would like to try and return to it at some point down the line when I finally have some more time to finish it. So so you so it sounds like you enjoyed it overall for the most part. Yeah. Even this is generally your kind of game. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It was fun. That um, makes me I extremely happy. Knew, I kind of knew what to expect going into it. Um, the thing that worried me the most, uh, I'll say it again, like the game, uh, everybody loves it because of the writing. And I was kind of worried that it would get on my nerves really fast. Uh, but the humor of the game was actually a lot better done than I'd expected. And it didn't at any point start uh, grating on my nerves or anything. I actually had a really good time with it. Nice. Now let me, <laughs> let me just, let me just, let me add a few of my own comments in here as the monkey Island lover, and then we'll move on. <laughs> uh, first of all, you should definitely keep on playing because the Swordmaster is kind of the low point of the game design-wise. Even though, like, when I played that when I was younger, 
it wasn't, you know, it doesn't seem so uh, so torturous to me, but that's because we all had a lot more time when we played games back then. But I know what you're talking about. And uh, once you get past that part, it's kind of like back to exactly everything else you were describing for the rest of the game. Also, if you end up beating Monkey Island and you enjoyed it, then Monkey Island 2 LeChuck's Revenge is even better than The Secret of Monkey Island. So just, just throwing that oh. out there. I didn't know that the, I'd, I had never heard anybody say that the sequels were definitely better than the, the first one. In, in, in my opinion, the sequel, the, the first one is extremely good, and the sequel is solidly better. Wow. So I would say, yeah, I, I really think the second one, it, it's, it's, it's basically what you want out of a sequel. The same stuff that you got out, out of the first one, but just improved pretty much. Right. And that's, that's what they did in the second one. So, uh, so there's that. And also just, just for anybody who's interested, uh, both of, and and they did a special edition of the sequel as well. Both of these, the first one and the second one are out on iOS, uh, which go for it if you have a lot of time to play on mobile stuff, but, and they may have updated it since, since I played it originally, but just a fair warning on, uh. The, uh, on, on iOS, I played the first one, and so, you know, as we just, as we said, this is a point-and-click adventure game, so you have a cursor on the screen, you move it to talk to, and then you, you know, move it over and click to the person you want to talk to, or you move it to, like, there are, like, nine different options, like, only really five of which you ever have to use, like, push, open, you know, walk, whatever. Uh, when you're doing it on iOS, you can't just touch the button and then touch the character, you actually have to drag the cursor around with your finger. So there's still a cursor on the screen, and you have to push on the cursor, drag it to where you want to go, tap it, drag it to where you want to push next, and tap it. So it's a little bit awkward. A lot of tapping going on. Yeah, a lot of tapping going on. <laughs> and I, a lot of rubbing and tapping. Ooh, it's that kind of game. So, <laughs> so that's that. I won't get uh get get too caught up in nostalgia right here. We'll go ahead and move on, but uh. Oh, do do you think you'll ever forget the name Guybrush Threepwood? Because I I definitely never did. No, I had never even played the game before now, and I already was very familiar with the name. <laughs> and and actually, that was a uh, that that's kind of a play on a character's name from it, it, sort of from uh, from Loom, which was a uh, another LucasArts point and click adventure game that came before Monkey Island. And hopefully at some point I'll get you to play that one as well, Blake. But the, the main character of that one is Bobbin Threadbear. Huh. Oh, and there's actually a joke on there there's actually a joke about that at some point in the game. Uh but we'll go on. I'm I'm getting too nostalgic and probably boring everybody to death. So uh well let's go to Jay. I'm just amazed that you talk that long without damaging yourself. I thought you were gonna talk like <laughs> I am I am too. I feel like I'm losing it. So Blake did me the wonderful duty of giving me um Fantasy Star 4, I played on Sega Genesis, I downloaded it on my computer, um, and I kind of, I saw why pretty quick, why Blake gave it to me. It is a turn-based RPG that, um, this is one of the coolest things about, I love old-school RPGs for this reason in particular. The game starts, there's like 10 lines of dialogue, and then you're in the first dungeon, and it's like, yeah. this is what I want. Like, I don't understand... Throws you into yeah. the action so fast. And the story is oh, like nice. really simplistic at the beginning. They give you like minor details, which is all you want at the beginning of the game. You don't want super intense details. You don't want to know 
whose brother, sister's mother, daughter died. Like you just want to kind of get a feel for the main character and then go into it. And that's exactly what it was like. It was, I, I really enjoyed the beginning. It was really fun. And the fighting hey, style. Hey, can I just throw out, can I just yeah. say something real quick? Brothers, sisters, mother's daughter would just be um, sister. Why you got to catch on to me all the time? <laughs> Um, but like, so it's a turn-based game. Um, but what I really liked is there's really unique abilities that you can use. And this, this kind of ties into something else I'm going to talk in later. There's like, each character has kind of like a set sort of, a, sort of abilities that they can use. And then they kind of progress and get different ones. So each one kind of has their own specialty, but this kind of goes into, I, like, I was like amazed by how intricate the controls were. And how they had macros in such an old game like that. I know. I, that I was like is one of the things that sold me on the game. I was my mind was blown as soon as I saw it. So basically, <laughs> in the actual game, what you could do is you could set up um, every turn. You you could set up a macro to have one character heal, one character defend, one character attack, and you just push that macro, and everything does it for you. You don't have to sit there and be like, okay, what do I want to do this turn? Well, you can decide based on your macro, so you can preset what you want to do each turn, which was just like super cool for me because. Everybody likes turn-based games, and they're really fun, but there are certain areas of the game where it get very grindy and almost repetitive. It's like the yeah. macros made it super-duper cool. Um, I was going to ask you, so the, one of the only things I really got kind of frustrated with, uh, at least on my emulator, I couldn't use my um, controller. I had to use my keyboard. Was uh, that available if I used it from GOG? Um, probably. I think it has okay. native support. I've only okay. ever played uh, my old Genesis version. I don't think it's on GOG. Oh, really? It's on Steam. Yeah, oh, I don't think Steam. it's on GOG. Okay, well, do you, well hopefully. Well, because um, I had used my computer for it, which I like to play older games with my controller now. Like, I have an Xbox controller. Um, and then, so the controls are really cool as far as, like, setting up macros. There was, like, really unique uh, character abilities, um, which made it super-duper fun. It made it, I, I don't want to say, like, it, it kept you interested because you, you were able to try different things, especially since, like, each boss kind of did something different. Some of the boss fights were, like, a little bit same to the uh, kind of like similar to the previous ones, but I don't know. I, I, the macro thing just like completely blew me away. I spent like the first twenty minutes of the game just in there making macros. Yeah, I know. Like whenever I first start that game, that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> you sound like a World of Warcraft player or something. Yeah, that's kind of that's a good present <laughs> actually. Um, and then the other thing I really really liked about it was the music. I like was yeah. sitting, I was like later I played it for like thirty minutes the first day that I downloaded it, and then I was like humming the music while I was at the gym. I'm like. I'm hooked on that now. <laughs> I've never played this game before. Why am I doing yeah. this? I was like, come that on, like, where do I know that from? The, in my opinion, that is the best use of the Sega Genesis sound chip on the entire system. The only thing that even comes close is the Sonic games. Yeah. I don't oh, think there's another job. game on that entire system that comes even close to uh, the sounds that that game produces with that sound chip. So how long is it? Like I have, I've gotten um, like a couple hours, actually probably several hours in now. Probably, God, it's been so long since I played it. I'd say uh, about forty hours, probably. Okay. Does it get progressively harder, or does it kind of stay at the same pace? Oh, there are some really hard boss <laughs> fights later on. There are a couple in particular, like some of the very important story boss fights, are super super difficult. That's pretty exciting. I, I was amazed. Who who actually made the game? It almost felt like an early on Square Enix game to me. Like as far as the story goes. Not yeah, so exactly. Like I feel like it's a lot of people agree even that it's the Final Fantasy VI of the Sega Genesis. <laughs> I cannot remember 
what company made all the Fantasy Star games. I'll look it up really quick. Well, just... Now, did you get into... It may have just been, like, Sega. Yeah, it's just probably just some random. Developer, Overworks, Sega AM7, Sonic Team. Yeah, it was pretty much some weird Sega offshoot. Like, okay, so with the combat system, did you get into uh, a lot of combination attacks? I started to, like, a little bit, and, um, but does it, can you start doing, like, more and more towards the end, or does it, is yeah. it kind of, okay. There are 15 different uh, really? combination attacks. Uh, they use all kinds of different spells. Uh, some of them are, like, pretty much character-specific because of the ability yeah, they absolutely. use. And that is, like, the... The favorite, th- my favorite thing about the macros is that at first, like, you want these three characters to go together, so you try and have them go together, but then you get into combat, and your two fastest characters will go first, <laughs> and then the enemies will attack, and then the third character goes, and it's like, well, I can't do the combination attack if they're not attacking Does together. that mess up your macros as well? No. Like, okay. what you can do with the macros is you can make it, because the macros operate in order. So whoever you put at the top of the macro is the person that goes first. Okay. So if you put the slowest person first, it's going to wait until that person's speed gauge is ready for their action for that turn. So um, since the other characters are all they're faster, they're going to be ready already, and all three of them are going to get to go at the same time. So in all honesty, like that was definitely one of the most unique RPGs that I played, especially for that time in particular. Have there been anything else that's mimicked like that kind of playstyle? Because I know the newer Fantasy Star are like real time almost. Yeah, they're like real time MMO like kind dungeon of thing. Crawler, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know of okay. any RPGs that are recent that do that system. It was extremely unique for its time, which is why I wish they would have continued with the Fantasy Star series instead of Fantasy Star Online. Yeah. It makes you feel any better. I actually started playing Fantasy Star Online as well. <laughs> I really like those. Games. Which one? Uh, the one for Dreamcast. One of the ones for Dreamcast. I don't know which one it is. Maybe is it you? I touched that a long time ago. I had I never got into it too much, though. They're fun. They were, they were before the MMO days, so it was like, yeah, cool. Yeah, all in all, really fun game. Great music, which I, I honestly, like, that makes early on games. Like, some people don't appreciate the music, but it really makes some of those old uh, old games, especially when some of the dungeons take, you know, 45 to over an hour. It's like, if you're listening to some poor music, you just get bored, and you're just like, eh, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So are you going to keep on playing it? I think so. I'm playing a quite a few games right now, but I actually think I will try and defeat it, especially now that Blake has said that it gets harder and harder. That just makes me, like, really interested. See how hard it gets. <laughs> Plus, like, you That's have always to interesting. the rest of uh, the spell combinations. Yeah, oh, seriously. Another thing. What did you think of uh, the spell names? I actually meant to, like, kind of give you a rundown, <gasps> like a little cheat sheet for what they meant, and then I forgot... I'm trying to think if I ran. I think I had to. I think I searched a lot of it because I actually read a little bit about it before I played. I got, I got relatively confused or like the beginning. Yeah, that. Oh, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, like the I. Fire spell is called Foy. Uh, the heal spell is called Res. That threw me um, off quite a bit because, like, you know, I'm used to playing MMOs and stuff, so I was like, yeah. um. Is this English? Did I get the right yeah. version? <laughs> like, what is Blake trying to do to me? <laughs> That's, That's definitely one of that. the uh, more popular complaints for that game. 
which it, it, I mean, oh, yeah. I guess for me, I like I grew up with it. I grew up on renting it and it coming with the instruction book booklet and stuff. So I I knew what to expect from it at least. But when all of the spells have these weird, really weird names, like the thunder spell is Sue, the uh, the wind spell or the vacuum spell is Zan. <laughs> the vacuum spell. Well, that's I think if I remember correctly, that's the way that they refer yeah. to air magic in that one. Or, or it, like the description of Zan is it creates a vacuum or something like that, and it can be really, really weird trying to figure out what all those spells mean because like you level up and all of a sudden you have a new spell that you have no idea what if it's even in English this time. It did make it kind of fun sometimes, though, because you just kind of, like, use it and hope that it does what you're hoping. Like, you're like, I think I know what this does, <laughs> but I could be wrong, and I just lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty legit. Actually, I totally forgot about that. I, I got used to it pretty quick. At least with the first spells, I got super used to it. Yeah, it, it continues to do that, though, throughout the whole game, including, like, the skill, t- or the techniques, I think is what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. How far did you end up getting, anyway? I got a couple. I got, like, several hours into it. I think I got to the third bigger boss. I'm trying to think. I killed... I think I got three bosses in. Or I killed three bosses, I think. God, it's been so long since I played I know. It. I, I played, like, a week ago, so I'm trying to think. Yeah. So. Did you meet... Uh... All right, so you met Han, that's for sure. Yes. He's, like, or very early on. Yeah. Uh, did you meet Rune? I think so, because you get... I think I two additional ones now, so I think so. I want to say that's uh, Elise, Chaz, uh, Rune, and... Sickest uh, names ever. <laughs> yeah. What is uh, the uh, the furry guy? Did you meet him? Um, I can't remember if he even stays in the party for that long. I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Because the story might be really like, has only gone. The story is really just starting to finally pick up, and it's like actually starting to get enticing. But it's not really like or prior to the last boss I killed. It wasn't anything like it wasn't holding me in. It was more of the fighting and just kind of experimenting stuff, and right. it was really was holding me down. The story really starts to pick up. That's, like, that's good because that, that always makes me nervous. With games like that because like they all like no matter how good the combat system is, it's only good for so long. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to say too much. <laughs> yeah, please don't. But you definitely find some harder boss uh, battles. And That's the story exciting. Definitely picks up some really, some heavy, heavy stuff happens for an RPG of that era. That's really exciting, I, honestly. Because I, I always like a challenge in RPGs. Like I, I just started Final Fantasy X again, but I downloaded the wrong version, <laughs> and it's the international version, so you can play like hard mode, which I didn't even oh, know. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, damn. It's yeah, super fun. So, hey, Blake, how long is uh, Fantasy Star 4? I feel like it's about 40 hours. Yeah, really? I read it's about the normal normal RPG, which is about 40 to 50, sometimes 60 that's cr- I feel like that's kind of crazy for a Genesis game, just because I don't think I can't think of any Genesis games that were like that. That's true, actually. Genesis in particular, like, place, or not PlayStation, I guess that time, like, Super Nintendo games were pretty long. Yeah. Huh. Okay, so I, I decided to go look it up on how long it beats. And it looks like people say the main story is about 22 and a half hours. And for a completionist, it's 38 hours. You're very close. Yeah. I don't know. So you only lied by two hours. Yeah. <laughs> you only lied by two hours. I'd say it's probably going to be about 
30 hours on your first playthrough. I was going to say, first playthrough is probably going to take me a while. Just like with how many times I've had to load already, just because I made mistakes, it's yeah, already yeah. been a couple extra hours. Well, you also got to think about how bad Jay sucks. This is true. <laughs> He's a lot of teeth. <laughs> Robert, what did you think of the game? Yeah, exactly. Of what game? Man a fantasy star. You're not, you're not man enough. Well, here's the thing about fan- All right, so here's... All right, so are we moving on to me now? I think so. I'm good. Okay, so my, my game, first of all, that I was gifted from Jay was Dungeon Keeper. Yeah, giggity. I also... Decide, I, I wanted to play a second game, because usually I like to play two games for these episodes. And so, as I said earlier, I downloaded the, uh, it was like Sega Genesis Classics, like, Bundle 5 or something like that on uh, on Steam. Mm-hmm. Because it had Fantasy Star 4, and I was like, it'll be fun if we all three talk about this. And, uh, and it was like $3.50 for that, plus nine other games. So, I'm a sucker, so I couldn't resist. <laughs> And then I started playing Fantasy Star 4, and I got like uh, like 45 seconds into it, and I was just like, I don't have energy for this because I'm still <laughs> playing I'm still playing Chrono Trigger, and I want to. Oh wow! And I'm so I'm still playing that, and I'm almost I've almost beat it. By the way, I'm not going to go into that one yet, so we don't have like five episodes about Chrono Trigger, but I'll talk about it next time when I'm done with the game. But I'm still playing Chrono Trigger, and I started playing Fantasy Star 4, and I thought I thought it was going to be more kind of like a uh, the only Fantasy Star. I've played is Fantasy Star Online for Xbox. Okay. And that's much more hack and slash. And so I thought that that was what this was going to kind of be like. And uh, it wasn't. It's just a straight up RPG as, as, as you guys have established. So I got like, I started playing. I was just like, I don't, I really just don't have the energy for this while I'm still playing Chrono Trigger also. So I didn't end up playing Fantasy Star 4. Okay. What I did play was Revenge of the Shinobi. Which is a uh, obviously a, a, J, a Sega Genesis game, and uh, that was in that same bundle that I got, and that's another ga- old game that I've played as well. Uh, you want to talk about that first or Dungeon Keeper? What, what do you guys? Um, I think we're gonna go really in depth into Dungeon Keeper, so let's do that second. Really? Okay. So so instead, I played Revenge of the Shinobi. I was like, I, I want to play this and see if this is as fun as I remember it being. So Revenge of the Shinobi is just a uh, Straight up side scroller, you're a ninja, uh, you throw shurikens at bad guys, and that's basically your only attack, unless you get close enough to, uh, and unless you're really close, you don't use up a shuriken to attack him, you just, uh, he just like swings, he, he like stabs him with a shuriken actually, which is kind of funny. He doesn't really have a sword or anything, or any other kind of weapons. So, uh... I really, really enjoyed playing Revenge of the Shinobi. Hold on, I have to cough. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Uh, I really enjoyed playing this. So, it's definitely not a great game, but it is a very fun game, at least for someone who played this long ago. So, there definitely was a nostalgia factor here, but I feel like the game itself is pretty solid, though it definitely does have its flaws. So, uh, it's, you know, again, it's just, a, it's just a side-scroller, you're a ninja, you're walking around killing bad guys, and that's basically all there is to it. There's no, like, story to set the game up or anything, it just throws you in. If you see somebody else on the screen, it's a given that they're a bad guy, so you throw a shuriken at them, and they, like, they actually explode, I think, when you throw a shuriken, when you, when you hit them with a shuriken. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure they actually do explode. I could be wrong about that. I feel like that's something you'd remember. <laughs> uh, so... 
you uh you're going through levels and and the uh the the difficulty progression is is actually pretty uh it's pretty linear so like the second level is more difficult than the first the third one's more difficult than that but it goes in a pretty even line it's not like you get to one level where it's just ridiculous all of a sudden you do get to a, a ridiculously hard level but it's after a level that was slightly less ridiculously hard um one of the funny things about it is in the options screen you have the option to pick how many shurikens you start with. And it doesn't change the difficulty or anything. It's just like, do you want to start with 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, or 90 shurikens? And obviously you want to go with 90 because it doesn't that's change anything say. else in the game. <laughs> yeah. And that's There's your... like no detrimental effect for doing that. <laughs> right, there's no effect to oh, doing man. it. Um, and that's your only weapon, and you have a limited amount of them. So obviously you want to start with 90. <laughs> it's like, do you want to start this game with... Ten dollars or one million dollars. Yeah, right. Uh, you do have this move where if you do a double jump and throw your shurikens, it throws like ten of them, kind of like out in a sort of like in a wave, like an like an array sort of. So they spread over more area if you're having a hard time like hitting a certain bad guy or something like that. So that that'll use up like ten at a time, which is really the only thing that significantly depletes your shuriken count. You know, assuming you start off with ninety. But uh, otherwise, you don't. You're, otherwise, if you put it all the way up at ninety, you're not really going to have much of a hard time uh, running out on, of ammo or really? anything like that. Yeah, it, it doesn't really come into play unless you just do the double jump throw a whole lot. Uh, you can also, you know, like bust open boxes along the way, and some of those will give you shurikens. It's really annoying though. Some of them will have a, like a, a bomb in them that explodes, and if you touch the bomb, it explodes automatic. It, it explodes immediately. But if you like kick it real quick or you know throw a shuriken at it and then jump away real fast and then you see that there's a bomb there it takes like 10 seconds for the bomb to explode so that's kind of annoying just waiting on bombs to explode throughout the game uh one of the things that's kind of annoying is the double jump you have to hit you have to like actually hit the jump button at while you're at the very peak of your jump if you hit the jump button a second time at any other point in the jump it just won't do a double jump and this will definitely lead you to dying at some points of the games because there are some points where you that where it's like it's real platformy, and you have to double jump to get like past a part, or otherwise you just you just fall into a pit and die. So that gets annoying with the double jump button being so specific. Um, one thing that that I thought was pretty funny is there's a power up that you get from some of the boxes that you that you break open, but the power up is pretty useless because. 99% of the bad guys in the game die from one hit of a shuriken. So you get a power-up that basically doesn't do anything special, except it makes your shurikens like, look like they're on fire or something. Um, yeah, there yeah, are, there, <laughs> yeah, there are a few guys that, that take like three hits to kill, but it's like there are like five... There, there are like three or four of those guys per level... And, like, 30 of just, like, the regular guys who take one hit per level. Um, the, the So I, I played this for a good probably four or five hours. And I had fun the whole time I was playing it. So I played once and died and lost, you know, I lost all my lives and then eventually lost all my continues. Because this was back in the day where you still had, you know, like, three lives and then, like, three continues. Or yeah. And then you're done once you use all those up. So I got to, like, the fourth stage... And, like, I couldn't beat the boss or something like that, and I died. So, <coughs> so I, I decided to adjust the difficulty to see, like, 
you know, because I just wanted to see how far I could get. I wasn't really concerned with, like, mastering the game or, like, doing anything crazy. I just kind of, like, wanted to see how the levels went, see how far I could get. And as I was changing the difficulty, I was thinking to myself, wait, all the guys die in one hit anyways. And it's not like there's some sort of AI in a Sega Genesis game that's going to make the characters dumber. They yeah. just they just start, they just, like, walk up to you and hit you with their sword. Or, they like, or if it's, like, an army... If it's like a soldier, then they just shoot at you as soon as they come on screen. So I, I changed it to easy, and all easy does is it gives you nine lives per continue instead of three lives per huh. continue. Um, and by the way, the army guys are really annoying because they shoot you as soon as they, as soon as like the first pixel of them appear on screen, and you basically have to have instantaneous reflexes to avoid their bullets. Otherwise, you're just going to take a hit. Sounds like Blake's kind of game. That, so that's actually sort of what I'm getting <laughs> to. Once I got to that level where there's the army guys, I was like, this is Blake's game. We <laughs> have to know what's coming. You have to memorize it. You have to know when to jump exactly, when to throw your shurikens and all that to not take hits. And so I did pretty good on my playthrough on easy mode. And I got past like the first five or six levels. Then I got to this one where there are lasers so, so there are like little laser guns, right? And they are on the ceilings and on the walls. And they move up and down on the walls and they move back and forth on the ceilings. And, and, and every once in a while they shoot a laser at you. But most of the time you can't see them on the screen. Jeez. So they're moving back and forth. They shoot a laser down on you and like they basically automatically hit you if, if, if you're under them when they shoot off. And you can't see them unless you're specifically jumping to look. Or if you're all the way over to the side of the screen. And you're trying to climb up a building where you get past these. So that level was... And, oh, and at the same time, there's ninjas flying around. That if they just touch you, you know, it hurts you, of course. Uh, so I got past that level and I was like, oh, I'm doing pretty good. I was feeling pretty good about myself. The next level after that, okay. The next level is there are... it's actually There's actually a foreground and a background to the level. And you can be on the foreground or the background. The way you change from foreground to background or vice versa is you do a double jump. And that automatically moves you to the other side of the stage. Huh. Now, there, on, in the foreground, there are like huge spaces in between the platforms. So you have to go to the background sometimes. Uh, okay. There's also on the foreground, there's the same uh, army guys shooting at you. And there's also guys throwing like grenades at you that are really annoying. In the background, there's cars driving by. So there will be a car. So you'll just be walking around. The car will zoom by all of a sudden and hit you. And you can get like hit like five times or something like that before you die. And that's a life. Also in the background, there's these like ninja chicks flying around doing jump kicks at you. Like usually two at a time. So foreground, you do a double jump to background to get across. There's cars flying by. Two ninja chicks flying around doing jump kicks at you. And then once you jump back to the foreground, there's either a guy shooting at you or a guy throwing grenades at you. And not to mention the times where you accidentally miss the double jump so you fall into a pit and die. Or you do a double jump just because you have to and then all of a sudden realize that you're going back to the foreground or background or whatever you're not in right now. And you're going to land in the other one. That was the level that did me in. Uh, and, and solidified my belief that this is definitely a game that, that Blake should try out. The entire sounds time, like, 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 <laughs> So you, it sounds like hell, well, hell is kind of like the game that you like, Blake, and is... Sometimes, sure. 
So, so based on my description, so other, so other than that, you know, I had, like I said, I had a fun time playing the game, even though it was pretty, even though it was pretty simplistic, something about the game just stayed fun the whole time, throwing shurikens at bad guys and watching them explode in sort of classic kind of Sega Genesis graphics. Uh, I'm just kind of interested in, in based on my description, Blake, if this sounds like a game that you would like, potentially. Maybe, but I really really dislike that old system of limited lives and limited continues. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing that turns me off from it. So the Castlevania games, which we talked about a couple episodes ago, do those have limited continues? I don't remember. No. The only one that does is actually, funny enough, the one on Genesis, uh, Castlevania <laughs> Bloodlines. <laughs> Makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, yeah, and that, that was... It is really disheartening... When you get that far in a game, and like you know, maybe one boss you'll spend like six of your lives on, or something like that, and uh, and so that just completely screws you over. So then when you get really far, you can't sort of just like keep going and seeing what happens. Just like, nope, sorry, you died too many times. You got to start over. Yeah, starting the entire game over, uh, like that's sometimes okay. The one time, because oh, you'll probably know the first couple stages pretty well. You're better at the game in general now, so you're going to be a lot better. But you have to still play through them, and it's going to be really boring. Any more than that one time, and it just becomes an extreme chore. Yeah. And that that is how... like So once I died that final time on that stage, I was just like, nope, it's not really worth going <laughs> back through all that in. Especially considering I'm probably just going to end up losing all my lives on this on the last... On that same stage again. Um, oh, and one other funny thing about it. So you have this special move. And you can do the special move basically once per life. There are like two levels where if you've used up your special move, you can get a... There will be a box that gives you an extra one to use. But basically you never... You, you rarely want... There are like only one or two levels where you'll actually want to use your special move before you get to the boss. Most of the time you want to save it for the boss. But it's really funny because you go to the in the start menu, you choose which move is your special move, and then that's you know mapped to your special move button. And when you hit it, you use it, and then that's used up until you die and come back to life. There are four special moves to choose from. One special move makes you move like a little faster and makes you jump a little higher. Um, another special move makes you look like you're. It makes you look like there's electricity going all around you, and I never actually figured out what it actually does. And the other two special moves kill every every bad guy that's on the screen. So it's like, clearly, you don't want to just use the special move that makes you jump a little bit higher. Clearly, you don't want to move, use the special move that nobody can even figure out what it does. Obviously, you want to use either of the special moves that just kills every single bad guy on the screen. And when you're and when you use one of those on a boss, it does like tons of damage to the boss. So, you have the choice between those. Uh, I feel like that's kind of basically. I don't know. I, I felt insulted that I had to choose. That I had to choose between those. The illusion of choice, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's that's Revenge of the Shinobi. Uh, Again, a little bit of nostalgia there, maybe, but I, I still think I still feel like I had a genuinely fun time playing it, just for, just for its own sort of kind of platformy, side-scrolly, twitchy kind of mechanics. So it was pretty fun, uh, especially if you're buying it for like 
you know, if it's on, if, if you see it for like three bucks or something on Steam, I'd say go for it because it'll give you at least a good two or three hours worth of worth of play. All right, so the other game I played, of course, as we've established, was Dungeon Keeper, which Jay gifted me for uh, the Christmas gifting episode. And uh, so Dungeon Keeper is a strategy game. It it has some sim elements. So you're basically uh, the bad guys in Dungeon Keeper. And you uh, control this dungeon that's, of course, underground. And what you have to do is you dig out the area that you're, that basically that your minions are going to kind of live in and build rooms in and that kind of stuff. So uh, the first thing you do on any given level is you, you, you start off with a few minions and a little bit of money. You dig a path to uh, either where the gold is, where, they, where, where they're going to mine out gold, or straight to a little, I guess, I want to call it a nexus. That's kind <laughs> of a StarCraft term, because I'm used to playing StarCraft. But it's, it's, like, a, uh, it's, it's like a gateway where, where like demons and other, and other sort of bad guys uh, come out of. And if you've, if you've dug to it, then they come into your uh, dungeon, and they're, they're your guys to, to use. So that's kind of how it starts off. You dig a path to... The gateway thing uh, into the portal, you dig a path to the gold so you can get money. And then once you've started those things, you can spend money to uh, you can you can spend money to make more minions to do more digging, or you can uh, spend money on rooms. Which you'll dig an area out, and you'll say, "I want this to be like the uh, the the this, the sleeping quarters," or I forget exactly what it's called in Dungeon yeah, Keeper. Layer. The, yeah, the layer where everybody sleeps and kind of gets refreshed. And, like, if you have a good sleeping quarters, then that'll attract more bad guys in through the, uh, through the portal. You also can, will want your minions to, to dig out a, an area for, that you'll want to make a, like, a training area. And it has, like, these big things that they train on. They become better at, uh, at fighting. And then there are a few others like that. There's, like, one that you have to dig out to, that, that stores all your gold. Otherwise, it gets really annoying trying to manage your, your income. Uh, and then what else, what are some of the other major ones that I'm forgetting, Jay? There's, there's a library. That's, that's kind of the major rooms. Yeah. yeah there's, that's... there's like rooms to research, to produce like doors and traps and stuff. Like, yeah. And so, yeah. and unless I didn't understand the game correctly, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. Basically the more rooms you have like this and the bigger rooms you have like this, the more and better kind of bad guys you attract through the portal. Is that right? Is that basically... Yeah, there's certain things, there's certain amount of rooms and certain size of rooms that attract certain creatures, like certain creatures like bigger layers and bigger training rooms and like all that kind of stuff. And like there's some some minor stuff that that also helps with it. And so, but but, but yeah, so basically that attracts bad guys for for you to have. Well, your guys. Right, right, bad. right. Bad guy, like you're you're the bad. You guys. are the good guys. You right? are the. Well, you're the bad guys. I guess. Well, you're the bad. Oh, so on the first couple levels, it's like a hero will come and be like. If you go on vile demons and try to storm your dungeon, Dude, that, that's your dungeon, though. Who says they have to come into your dungeon? <laughs> At the beginning of each level, an evil voice says, "These are the happy citizens of such and such place. They don't know anything about evil and hardship. All they know is love and caring. We're gonna put an end to that, or something like that." So you're the bad guys, all right? <laughs> I love you, right? <laughs> so on the first couple levels, a good guy comes in, tries to storm your dungeon, and uh, basically you kill him. Unless you really suck at playing games, because the first couple levels are like basically do what the game tells you to do, and you win when the bad guy, when the good guy comes to attack you. Then uh, after that, after you do that a couple times, it's 
you you start playing levels where you're playing against other other bad guys who are kind of in the same underground area as you, but they've started their dungeon on one end of the map and you've started yours on the other. And it's kind of like, who can attract the most bad guys and attack at the right time and eventually take over the other bad, the other bad guy's dungeon? Uh, and that's basically how the game goes. Um, I had, and, and I had played this game f- just a little bit a long time ago, so this wasn't the first time I played the game. And it basically, I, I, it basically, playing it this time, it was exactly how I remembered it, which went like this. It was fun, like the first two missions, and then it just kind of got old for me. Um, Jay, now you and I are, well, we were at one point really big into StarCraft II. Uh, and I played that game a ton, and I know you played it a ton. That was a game we both really loved. Like, we both played that game for, for, like, a solid year. You know, pretty much, I'm sure it was the same for you. I played it, like, every single day for a significant amount of time for, like, a year. And, like, probably a little over a year. Well, I wrote a book about it, so. (laughs) No, you're getting yourself confused with me. Uh, And... (laughs) (laughs) So, so So, you and I are both, we both enjoy a good strategy game. RTS, man, yeah. Yeah. Now, this is obviously a little bit different. It's not a straight it RTS. It's, it's, like I said, it's got some sim elements as well. Um, but, for, but for me, the fun of it kind of wore off after the first couple levels because basically you don't have to strategize in this game. You just, for me, I saw it as each level I was doing the same thing over and over again. I was making my guys dig out the gold, dig a path to the portal, build some rooms to attract more bad guys, and then I sort of sit back and wait until bad guys come through the portal, and then I attack. Whereas in a game like StarCraft II, there are a whole lot of elements that you have to take into account. You have to also try to, you know, do some scouting, try to figure out what your opponent's doing based on limited information. You have to choose, you have to, and a big part of it is you have to choose, like, how to use your, not, not just how to use your money, but what kind of units to make. And I think that was a big thing that that loses me on Dungeon Keeper, where it, it, which is, you have there's no strategy in de, in determining in deciding what kind of units you want to get. You just get whatever comes out of the portal. It's true. There there is a little bit of strategy. So we talked about playing multiplayer. The multiplayer adds a pretty big strategy to it because there's some really like later on you get some really cool rooms. Like there's one um, called the Scavenger Room where like let's say you put a creature in there. It will take that creature from the other uh, from the other keeper. So like, there is some strategy. Unfortunately, you don't get to see it too much against the AI because the AI is pretty simplistic. They do the same thing every single level, and it gets pretty pretty repetitive. So, so you basically sort of agree with me, but you're saying there's a little bit more strategy than what I'm saying, but maybe not maybe not a ton. Yeah, there's not too much strategy. It does get a little bit more strategic later on because you do have to be very specific about what all your creatures are doing. At one. like later on, it gets very difficult because there's like 20 levels and like six bonus levels. I think there are certain levels where it's like one v three or one v two, or there's just like a lot of stuff going on, and you basically only get a certain amount of creatures. You only get a certain amount of money. And you have to decide what you're going to do with each creature if you want to have them training, researching, building stuff. Like you have to be very very specific about what you're doing with stuff, but. Early on, yeah, it does get very repetitive. Probably the first, I burned through the first ten levels in like three hours. Like it's super duper quick, and they are pretty darn easy. Uh, and and that reminded me of something that I was going to say, and I already forgot what it was that it reminded me of. <laughs> but uh, 
Um, what the hell? What, what the hell was I going to say? You're going to say how great the music was? Oh, was... Well, no, what I was going to say is this this <laughs> this is a game that you really, really like. Like, you, yeah. like you, you actually go back and kind of play this every once in a while, don't you? Yeah, it's very nostalgic for me. It was my first RTS besides, like, Command & Conquer, but... It was the first RTS where I really had a lot of fun with it, and it was it was very unique for for me at least. So that uh, one of the things that like I maybe it just kind of lost me was uh, like you said you do have you, you can control your characters or your you know your your little, your, mm-hmm. your your characters or whatever you can control them directly. Generally, they'll go off and do their own thing. They'll go train on their own and do all that. If you right. want to take control of them. You can. You can pick them up and put them wherever. Or you can like slap them to make them work harder yep. and that kind of stuff. For me, I never really did any of that because it was like so hectic and like there were so many monsters running around this way and that. I felt like it was futile for me to even try to like control any of them or to make them do anything I wanted to. Uh, to, to, you know, like to make them do something specific that I wanted them to do just because there was so much going on. Is it, am I kind of misguided there, or what would your response be to that as somebody who really enjoys the game? The thing that's like, like I was gonna say, is playing like StarCraft at a high level and then going back and playing that is just like insane. Like it's so different to go back. Like that game was very difficult for me when I played it the first time. Like now it's pretty darn easy, and I I can see why you, you would imagine, like say it gets pretty hectic because there is quite a lot going on, especially when you are trying to pick up individual things or do specific things to where like. You know, like you're talking about slapping and controlling them, it does kind of limit what you can do. Okay, and it, that also that actually also reminds me of something else that I that I noticed while I was playing. Um, and tell me if the same thing happens to you. I imagine this pretty much happens to everybody who's playing. But but there's a guy who will, there's like a you know an evil sounding guy who who will kind of tell you what's going on in the game. And most of the, and first of all, most of the time when he says this or that's happening, I have no idea where on the map that's happening. So like it doesn't <laughs> no good. But it, for me, it was constantly him going, your minions are losing the battle. Your minions are winning the battle. That's so funny. Your minions are losing the battle. Your minions are winning the battle. <laughs> like, back and forth, back and forth. Like, it was like, whatever was happening that second, he would comment on. And it didn't it's have whatever it really creature didn't have dies to do or, win, or It's like whenever you get a kill or one of your creatures dies, that's what they're commenting on. Like, <laughs> so, See, it's so, so weird. Like, I don't even recognize that being annoying. Like, it's just, I was so used to it. Really? Yeah. Because okay. if you hear one more than the other, then you know you're winning or losing. You yeah, know. that's that's kind of how I how I took it. But there were so many times for me when it was just going straight back and forth. <laughs> Stop uh, when your creatures die, Robert. You're a bad keeper. I'm a bad keeper. Well, I'm a bad StarCraft II player too, so it makes sense. Yeah, Doc. Uh, Blake, I take it you've never played Dungeon Keeper. Not once. Not once. Twice. Or zero. <laughs> no. Four times. Five. <laughs> Only like seven? Twice, three times a lady. Well, uh, I guess that's it for for my games this week. Uh, did any of you guys have any others that you want to talk about? Or are we? Are we? I'm gonna wait for the next for next week or next time because okay, yeah, me too. Big one, yeah. All right. Uh, so we're just about done with this episode, but before we wrap things up, uh, last time as we discussed, we we're each gonna come up with three classic gaming New Year's resolutions. Uh, to do in 2014 because did you guys know it's 2014 now? A new year happened between the last episode. And I was like, "Where is he going with this?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so so we so as we so we discussed last time that we're each gonna have New Year's resolutions uh, related to class and gaming three things. We each have to do three, uh, make three resolutions, and if we don't, we we need to have some sort of punishment if we don't oh. stick to them by the end of the year. Shots, 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 shots. That's not, that's not a punishment. For some of us, it is. <laughs> some who don't drink all the time. I'll come up with some. Uh, who is that? We'll, co- <laughs> we'll come up with a good punishment if you don't we're gonna we're gonna make each other stick to these and we'll come up with a good punishment if you don't uh it'll be you have to answer a would you rather on the episode is your punishment and we and and the other two people get to pick what which which one to ask you all right i'm okay with that (laughs) okay all right so uh let's let's start with I'll, i'll go ahead and start with me and then i'll let my voice rest before we start wrapping things up uh, so my uh, three classic gaming New Year's resolutions are, uh, first of all, to beat Super Mario Brothers, the, the, original, the original one for Nintendo. The very first one. The very first one. Oh, you enjoy the last area. It's I RNG know. I, I got to it recently. I bought a Nintendo like about six months ago, and I picked up a few games with it. Uh, Mario, Super Mario Brothers was one of them. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to finally beat this game and just be done with it. Because I've played it so many times. I've gotten you know to the last level so many times, but I've never actually beaten it. So I was like, I'm doing it right now. So, got to the last level. There's this one really annoying part where you have to jump, which is on the last like stage, not the actual last level. Um... Or the last world, I guess, not the last like actual individual level, where you have to do this really long jump and land on this one yeah. little skinny. You know that spot that cost yeah, me so many. That cost me so many lives that when I finally actually get to the last boss stage, I'm I have like one life left. So I just try doing it on one life. But I so I played that recently. I was like, I'm gonna do it this time, and I uh, Got to the last level. I kept having to restart, but you know you have the code where you hold A and you have infinite continues, so that was cool. So I paused it overnight and I was like, "All right, I'm done playing for tonight. I'll pick it up in the morning and beat it." And my wife unplugged the Nintendo so she could plug. Oh, it in. <laughs> oh my god! That was your first wife, right? <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> I was, was about the to say first you're divorced now, right? <laughs> so my so my first new year's resolution is to finally beat super mario brothers and i feel like i'm gonna be closing a door of my life in doing so seriously that is a good one i like that um my my other two aren't as in depth they're just to play two games uh that i haven't played yet and and i'll my my i'll plan on beating these two but i haven't actually played these yet which are a couple games that i really feel like i i need to play so the first one is uh actually a two-part the original Metroid and Super Metroid. I'm going to play those. I've, I've, I've actually played a little bit of the original Metroid, but it was like either at a friend's house or like I rented it and played it for two days. I never seriously played the original Metroid. And I don't believe I've ever played Super Metroid. Unless it, again, unless it was like at a friend's house They're for, for really like an hour. Fun. Yeah. It, it's kind of like, what's that game that Blake plays a lot where you, you, can, you can kind of choose what upgrades you want to get before you do the last boss? And it makes it really fun to decide like what you want to do. Yeah, Super Metro is a lot of fun. It, it looks fun, and from what little bit I have played, I, I remember it being tons of fun. So I'm going to finally beat those, or, or at least play them and, and likely beat them. And then my third classic gaming New Year's resolution is to play Kingdom Hearts. 
It's a good series. They, I would honestly only play the first one. If you really like the first one, I wouldn't. A lot of people would disagree, but I would only, I would just stop there. The second one was decent, but it just like there, there's probably eight or nine of them now, like between all the huh. Game Boy games and cards. Yeah. Oh, really? And if you count all yeah. those ones, which they are important to the series. I thought there was just, yeah. I thought there was just the one and the two. They, no. There's a lot of minor ones. Like there's like three and one twenty-four handheld ones. Yeah. And wow, you have I did not know that at all. Sure. Yeah, they. I really, really enjoyed the franchise um, when I was younger. I don't enjoy it as much anymore. Oddly enough, I replayed it recently, and it wasn't as like alluring as it was back in the day. But All right. Well, you'll like the first one. I know you will. Is Goofy in it? Yeah. Yeah. That, you you that, play with it's Goofy, Donald, and Sora. The well, as long, I thought, but Mickey's in it too, right? Yeah, yeah, kind of. He's only in a minor part. Well, as long as Goofy's in it, I'll be happy. Play it on hard mode. It's a lot more fun. <laughs> Is it really? or uh, I feel It's like a lot more fun. It makes it a lot more challenging. Blake, should I play it on hard mode? I don't remember. <laughs> Tamp on out, Robert. Tamp on out. <laughs> Here's resolution. Tamp on out. <laughs> all right. We're moving on to Jay. You're, you're, you're going next. All right. So my, all three of mine kind of go hand in hand. Um, what I want to start doing this, this upcoming year is I want to start streaming playing older Final Fantasies because I just really enjoy it. And I think I've actually seen quite a few people... Like, really enjoy watching people play some of the older Final Fantasies, especially if they're new or experienced to them. Like, some of the original ones, like, for people who haven't played, like, the first one, it's very RNG-based, and people like to kind of see what it's like to play from the first one all the way up to even the today ones. So I'd really like to stream some of the older ones, even coming up to some of the newer ones today. I think that'd be really cool, especially since I have the majority of them on my computer. Um, and then I want to, this is kind of a newer game, but I want to play and beat Final Fantasy Thirteen. I have it, and I played it, but I didn't beat it. I got really far into it, and there were some things I didn't like about it, and so I stopped playing it. Um, so I really, really want to play that, and I actually probably could stream it. I could set it up on my computer without even trying, to be honest. And then, Blake, I'm sure you'll really appreciate this last one. Um, I've been playing Final Fantasy X a lot. I played like 60 hours over like the last week and a half of Final Fantasy X. My last resolution is to not be so anal retentive about getting every freaking chest in right. every Final Fantasy, no matter how difficult or ridiculous it is to get it. That's a good like, one. I, oh, man. I'm the worst person. One. And the worst part is Final Fantasy X, I know what every single chest has in it because I've played it so many times that I'm like, <laughs> I know it's an ant to do it. And I know I'm not going to need it because I have 99, but I still have to get the treasure chest regardless just because I'm so anal retentive about it. <laughs> yeah, those are my three. Nice. Those are good. Yeah, All right, Blake, can you top that? Are you going to just do something amazingly badass for your... Uh... I know, I have this feeling it's just going like... Um, Nothing, like, super huge. For me, I want to replay a lot of old RPG games. Right now, I'm doing an RPG month over at my stream. I'm in the middle of Final Fantasy VII right now. Yeah. I'm probably going to talk about it on the next uh, podcast. Uh, I want to do Final Fantasy VI, Earthbound, Super Mario Ooh, RPG... Chrono Trigger. Oh, you're ruining a lot. You're taking out a lot of games with you. <laughs> These are all like really good games. I know. I've it's. I haven't played them in a year or more, and there's a lot of them that I pretty much replay once a year. I'm and I've just been getting that itch. Yeah. And was... then like what else? Fantasy Star Four, <laughs> Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross. Um, maybe Final Fantasy Tactics if I have enough time I might try the hard mode mod if you do let me know we'll, we can yeah. play I would love to sit and call with you and play that yeah 
God, there's a few more that I'm trying to think of. Like a bunch of them, uh, some people voted on other ones they wanted to see me play. There's uh, Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2. I might play par- Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door for the first time. Have you, have you played all these before or not? Most of them. Uh, the only one I've said so far that I haven't played is Paper Mario, A Thousand Year Door. It, that's the newer one, right? That's the one on uh, it was... GameCube. So the newer one, it's it's different. Um, just prepare yourself. Cause I believe that's the one. Well, I haven't played any of the paper. Oh, okay. So the first one was really really good. The second one was um, wow. Oh, it was that the first one? The th- no, that was the second one. The Thousand Year Door. Yeah, the second one is Thousand Year Door. Yeah, it's very Mario. different from the first one. So if you play the second one and really like it, don't expect the first one to be the same. If I'm thinking of the right two games, but they're both really fun. Paper Mario is a great series. Uh, God, there's probably a hundred others I'm forgetting right now. Like, there's at least one more I wanted to try and play. I haven't played Valkyrie Profile since the one time I beat it, and that game is amazingly good. Uh, so I'd like to play through that again at some time. There's just a ton of them. The big ones, though, like Final Fantasy VI. Seven. Uh, well, Seven, which I'm getting through right now. Uh, a bunch of other Super Nintendo ones. Fantasy Star Four. And I think that's good for my RPG stuff. Uh, and then another thing I want to do, I want to replay and finish a lot of the old Mega Man games. I played 1 through 5 last year. I played uh, Mega Man X for our last uh, podcast. Uh, but I want to try and get through more of the X series again. And I want to beat uh, probably 6 uh, and 7 as well. Wow, you have a lot of stuff to I do. I think you just gave I us know. 45 New Year's resolutions. Are <laughs> you sure you're going to lose horribly and have to do whatever Robert tells you? Oh, God. And then, <laughs> like, my last resolution... Uh, I He's want not to done yet. Play... Yeah, I know. I'm not even done yet. That's the thing. I want to replay uh, the Legacy of Kane series. Did you guys ever play those? Yes, I did, actually. Nope. Those are some really good story games. The, the voice acting is some of the best in the business. Huh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I've seen them. I've only played them once or twice. I've, uh, I've only played two of the games in the series, I think, but I picked up uh, all of them that were available from GOG a little while back. I think it's only missing the first game in the series. It's just I've never played through the whole thing, and I've always wanted to really know like how the story develops throughout all five of the games. So I'd like to get through that sometime sure. this year again. Well, you got a uh, you got your work cut out for you, I think. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like you're screwed. Uh, <laughs> basically, <laughs> start Probably. start rooting up a good would you rather question, Jay. <laughs> oh, I got one. Already. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I think I guess that's it for our New Year's gaming resolutions. So that's we're at the end of the episode. Let's do a so so I I thought of a good way to wrap up episodes from now on, you guys. What we're gonna do instead of just saying uh say whatever you want to say, uh-huh. we're gonna do uh random well not random. We're gonna do uh non classic gaming related shoutouts, just about whatever we want to talk about or say. So if you want to pontificate, that's cool. If you want to give a shout out to somebody, that's fine too. But just wow. something something off topic. And we're going to call it the uh, off-topic happy ending. Does that sound good? All right, I'm down. I got one already in mind, too. All right, so, all right, will you want to start, then? All right, my shout-out is to Michael Doral for having a successful date with a girl. 
and uh, <laughs> being very happy about it and very excited. <laughs> really? My shout out. Yeah. Cool. Michael Morrill is, of course, a friend of ours. Yeah. All right. That's a good one. Is that anything else or are you going to just... No, that's it. That's all I need. That's man. all you need? Okay. Um, okay. My, uh, my happy ending is going to be... I actually have two shout outs. First is to my friend Blake Corey for Ooh. making it to the semifinals of the Hammer Time Racing Invitational. Which this guy's godlike. Which yeah, he is godlike. <laughs> which seems like it was a really long time ago, doesn't it? It feels like it was like a month, a little over a month, but it feels way longer. It does. So anyway, we talked about this a little bit. Uh, hopefully, some of you guys were able to catch him uh, doing doing his races. But uh, Blake made it to the semifinals of the Hammer Time Racing Invi- uh, Invitational, of course. As we've discussed, Blake was also in the Binding of Isaac League Racing, where he did phenomenally well as well, and uh, this time you made it to the semifinals, and you had some really, really bad luck against Hyphenated, but, um... Yeah, I played badly, and I got some really, really awful luck. You had some really bad luck, um, but at the same time, Hyphenated played very well, so I don't want to take anything away from him. Oh, yeah, he played super stable. He played it right, and I went into full panic mode. So, uh, so congratulations on Hyphenated on a great race. Uh, Blake, you did awesome as well, and again, you just kind of you, you sort of got screwed. He did really well, and that's just sort of how it turned out. But, but great race! That it was a really good race all around. And uh, anybody who missed it, you you missed out on a really good Binding of Isaac yeah, race. Yeah, really um, My second shout out is for a new book that has come out. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, Darker? It's, no. <laughs> it's uh this book is a book of horror film reviews. It's called Hidden Horror. A celebration of 101 underrated and overlooked fright flicks. Uh, this book, I actually wrote one of the reviews for one of the. I, I wrote one of the chapters in the book. My movie that I wrote about was the 1963 horror film *The Sadist*, which nobody has heard of, but is which is one of the best horror films, in my opinion, ever made. Wow! Um, you can find this book on Amazon. It just came out. Uh, literally about four days ago. It was put together by the editor Aaron Christensen. Again, just search on Amazon for Hidden Horror, a celebration of 101 underrated and overlooked fright flicks. You can probably just type in Hidden Horror and it'll come up. Again, the editor is Aaron Christensen. Check out my review of The Sadist in that book and a hundred other and a hundred other reviews by a hundred other people. A lot of hundreds. It is. Throwing hundreds, hundreds. And uh, Blake, a lot of you wrap it up. Um, man, I don't know. I wish I'd had more warning. I know. I guess. <laughs> hey guys, we're gonna do this brand new Robert's thing. We already like have something in mind. Good luck. The episode. <laughs> That's like, like oh yeah. By the way, guys. <laughs> um, let me think. I guess. Uh, shout outs to Avatar: The Last Airbender for being a way better show than I expected. Oh right. Oh good one. No, I'm so I, 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 this, is, when, this is one of the shows that's sort of on my list of I need to eventually check out. It's very good. Don't watch the movie. I actually Don't recommend it. It's a quote kids show. Right. And for a, for a regular show, for just a plain show, it's pretty good. And for a kids show, it's like phenomenally good. Cool. I was really surprised at uh, how the whole quality of the entire series. It's very again. Don't watch the movie though. Seriously, don't watch. It. <laughs> I trust. It's I've really heard. Pl- I've I've heard plenty about the movie. It was probably one of the worst movies I've seen in my entire life. It was really bad, but the series is very good. It's very serious. It's unfortunate that it, that it got picked up by Nickelodeon because they couldn't show certain violence and stuff on it, but still did a great job for for what they had to work with. 
I thought. All right. Anything cool. else, Jay, or is that going to do it? I mean, Blake. Booga booga. Good. <laughs> good? Yeah, good. Yeah. All right. Well, that's an episode. Guys, we will be back in about two weeks or so with episode four of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Until then, uh, do something awesome, and we'll see you next time.